Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Spirits and Ghost Stories. I'm your host, Thomas Ahrens. And I'm Carly Byrne. Week 81. We finally passed the 81 mark, and we are at the brisk, the brink, I must say, of Halloween. 80 episodes. Uh, the Spooktober session. We are here so close to October, which is the Halloween season, which, again, I tell everyone at work to the point that they probably think that I'm a wee bit crazy here, but this is the favorite time of year. Yeah. It is the best weather. If you want to be inside and cuddle with a book, watch a good movie, relax and watch some football, you can do that. You want to go hiking, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, you can go do that too. The weather's good enough for that. It's your it's your pick your own your adventure. Corn mazes, going to breweries, getting that cider, bonfires, chilling out by a fire right now, listening to some music, a crackle, the, the wisp in the air, a full moon clear night and an October evening. Am I painting a picture here with my words? Am I machine gunning some absolute vibes right now? I feel like I am. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it in my soul. I'm feeling some hot apple cider just running down my throat and some nice little apple cider flavored donuts. Also, oh, God, I'm that's wearing... actually really fucking good. <laughs> I know. Cider Remember donuts? those donuts we got? Oh, my God. At the corn I forgot about that. Year, yeah. Where we took JoJo and we picked out pumpkins. It was a pumpkin patch. With the corn maze and a slide, and yep. went down the yep, kitty yep, yep. slide, and like took out a bunch of kids on the way down. Completely forgot about that. Yeah. So anyway, I'm wearing this mask because I recently decorated my house with a bunch of Halloween stuff, and I am not your average decorate with you know cute little pumpkins. No, I'm like witches, warlocks, potions, uh, skulls, and I also like to throw in a little bit of bedazzle, which is butterflies. I like butterflies along with my decorations. Anyway, so I came across this sucker in a box while I was unpacking all of my decorations. And uh, I decided to wear it for tonight's episode for at least the first three minutes. So, <laughs> shall we get into scary things in the news? Oh, sure. Are we going with mine first? Uh, yes, because I had did, I had been searching and I really could not find one moment. So one. I decided to go with a scary thing in the news that um aligned appropriately with the story that I came up with. Let me take my mask off so y'all can hear me appropriately. Um, which scary thing in the news are you going with first? Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's what I have up. And yeah, we can just go with one. Well, so, that's fine. so what? Oh, one? just one scary story. Yeah, that way we can kind of get into the into the into the, the dirt of this thing oh, no. so wow, probably haunted funeral home goes up for sale in massachusetts with a seven hundred sixty-nine thousand dollar asking price which is insane and this article was published september 26 2023 yeah like so this is like today just happened honey that's which that's is absolutely today. insane <laughs> Law signs that sit in front of the property for sale often call out special features to turn people's heads. Lakefront views or open house are commonplace, but people drive by 56 Main Street in Wil Mil Milbury, Milbury, Massachusetts, are doing a double take as the for sale sign out front warns prospect buyers that the property is probably haunted. And then I love here, like just tacked on top of this is probably haunted. Now, guys, this is where I want to zoom into and actually really show you this part right here. Uh, if you zoom in, it's her face. It's Erica's face. So South Park just did an episode making fun of, like, of realtors about them taking pictures and how it's over fake and they're always smiling. And so for some reason, this just caught my eye that she is just deadpan serious. Yeah. 
when if you pass by any realtor sign, look at them, they're all smiling. Yeah. I just thought that was really funny with the probably haunted. And then she's just she's like, more like, like shit. She's kind of like, uh, she lost a bet. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. That's why she's basically representing this facility. Mm-hmm. And it's a facility because it's a funeral home. Like, can you imagine being like, oh, I'm just going to purchase a funeral home and make it my residence. My first time home buyers, I'm going to use my FHA loan on this <laughs> I'm gonna use my FHA. home. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, here's what we're going to do. Probably haunted funeral home. So anyway, um, so that goes along with my story. I also have one more thing to share with you. It's the second link. Go ahead and open that so our lovely viewers can see that. Mm-hmm. It is six real haunted homes for sale ghost included i actually like this theme a lot so the first one is penfield reef house in connecticut Mm. usa for only fifty thousand dollars you gotta scroll down that's not the one oh i was gonna say like whoa that's not a nice little house there it's a lighthouse oh it's a lighthouse yeah oh maybe we have to like do this whole like click through thing no no no. well so this one that actually works yeah (laughs) okay Oh, okay, so this is fifty thousand. Yeah, Penfield Reef Lighthouse, at almost one hundred and fifty years old, Penfield Reef Lighthouse has been guiding ships safely into Black Rock Harbor in Bridgeport, Connecticut, since the administration of the Ulysses S. Grant, the little lighthouse, which sits just a mile off the Connecticut coast, is still active today and is up for auction from late June 2023 with the U.S. Hmm. General Services Administration with a starting bid of just $50,000. However, it hides a haunting secret. You scroll down, you get to see what it looks like inside, and it's really creepy. Ever since the lighthouse keepers have reported seeing... Okay, hold on. Not only does the price include the island, the lighthouse, and even the foghorn, but it also throws a ghost into the bargain. According to the local lore, former lighthouse keeper Frederick A. Jordan still haunts the waves around the lighthouse, where he met his death shortly before Christmas in 1916 while attempting to row ashore to spend the holiday with his family. Next photo. Light... Ever since the lighthouse keepers have reported seeing Jordan's ghost around the island or have found the log book mysteriously and repeatedly flipping to the date of his death, more mysteriously, reports have been made of at least two boats being led away from the reef to safety by a ghostly man. While it remains to be seen who was willing to take on this haunted property, at least potential buyers can take comfort from the fact but the ghost seems friendly. I mean, that's a good ghost. I mean, at least it's saving people. It's not like doing other things like, you know, the murder. True. Spooking. True. I mean, it goes on. There's another one. Oh. The Ensign Mansion in New York. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get that one up here. Come on. Come on, computer. New York, USA. Currently, the starting bid is at $349,999. Four bedrooms, two bathrooms, and nine ghosts. That's right. The property's spooky past takes front and center on its current listing, which touts the home as a true haunted house. The late 19th century home in Troy, New York, has been in current ownership by Michelle Bell's family for six generations. Her great-grandfather 
having made the initial purchase back in 1919. Today, the 3,092 square foot home could be yours for just 3,449, oh, 3, no, hold on, 349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,349,
eager visitors gathered outside the mansion's imposing wrought iron gates. Among them was a young woman named Emma, who had always been fascinated by the supernatural. As the tour began, Emma marveled at the mansion's eerie ambiance. Her heart raced with each startling encounter, and she reveled in the excitement. She couldn't help but feel a twinge of fear as she descended into the basement, where the stories were said to be the most spine-chilling. Guided by flickering candlelight, the group entered a room adorned with antique mirrors. Jack, playing the role of a ghostly butler, regaled them with a tale of a tragic love affair that had unfolded within these very walls. Just as Jack was about to deliver the story's chilling climax, an unearthly whisper echoed through the room. The candles flickered violently and a sudden chill filled the air. Everyone in the group exchanged nervous glances, convinced it was just part of the act. But as the seconds ticked by, it became evident that everything was terribly wrong. Jack clutched his chest and staggered backwards, gasping for breath. Panic swept through the group as they watched in horror. It was no act. Jack was in distress. Laura rushed forward, her eyes wide with fear, and screamed for someone to call an ambulance. But by the time help arrived, it was too late. Jack had succumbed to an unseen force, his life extinguished in the very mansion he had turned into a spectacle. The investigation that followed left more questions than answers. No medical explanation could be found for Jack's sudden and inexplicable death. Rumors swirled that the mansion's dark history had claimed yet another victim. Emma, who had initially come for a thrill, was left haunted by the real horror that unfolded before her eyes. The Riverside Mansion, it seemed, held secrets far more sinister than any theatrical performance could convey. The haunted attraction was shut down, and the mansion once again stood in eerie silence. Emma never returned, forever haunted by the memory of that fateful night when the line between make-believe and reality blurred, and a man met his demise at the hands of a malevolent presence that could not be explained or forgotten. And that was the tale of the Riverside Mansion. There you go, folks. Don't buy a haunted house in hopes to turn it into a lucrative venture, aka an Airbnb. Make some money because those ghosts will haunt your soul and give you a heart attack. That's a really good story. That was really like punchy, like to the point. There was no like messing around with any of that stuff. No, they didn't draw (laughs) that out. They were like, he bought the mansion, he turned it into a haunted house, they killed him. It's funny because like uh, my lovely wife likes to read stories now. So she gets more into plot and development and stuff. And this yes! person was just like house bought dead. <laughs> End. No more development. Jack there. and Laura bought the house. Now they did. <clears throat> well, guys, that gets me into today's tale. For tonight, Thomas Aaron's shall be reading a spooky story. We may get through this. We may not. There will be grammar errors. There will be misspellings. Oh, shit. I'll be slow. I'll be fast. The story is supposed to only take eight minutes. I'll probably make it 16 to 20. 
<sighs> Buckle down, y'all. It's going to be a 20-minute venture. Hopefully it's lucrative. Time now for the tale of The Devil's Road. Y'all, I reckon there's nothing better than a good old southern rock to soothe the soul on a stormy Sunday night. This is Sammy James, and I'll be riding with you till the cows come home here on 95.3 Rebel Country. Up next, we have the full tilt strumming of the three guitar attack. Y'all stay safe while you travel the devil's road with the outlaws. <laughs> Master Sergeant Oscar Gr Greeny Jr. cranked the dial of his old radio as the renaissance tone of the Freedy Salem blasted from his twin speakers. The full throttle hard beat roared of to life slamming against the interior of his Ford F-150 crew cab. The thunderous crunch sprawled by the unbridled riffling of a fine-tuned Gibson guitar caused the all-American blood in his veins to boil, his camouflage-draped knees to bounce, and his callous landed fingers to drum against the steering wheel, a much-needed reprieve at this ungodly hour of the night. He ought to have been home by now. His drill weekend ended hours ago. Instead, he had 67 miles of Tennessee backroads to go down. I rather, unfortunately, byproduct of a nine-car pileup on I-24. After being trapped in standstill traffic for 45 minutes, Oscar heedlessly decided to turn off the interstate and take a rural, a rural route home doubling the duration of his journey, but he thought it would be worth it. And now Oscar was driving pitch black in the dark. The pitch black country road was devoid of streetlights, leaving only the beams of his headlights to slice through the looming darkness. Menacing, glooming clouds, heavy with malevolence, crunched, <laughs> malevolence. Good job. Yeah, thank you. Churned and railed obscurity and radiance of the full moon of thunder rebeated in the heavens as though it was aware of oscar's weariness <gasps> at least for a time being the encroaching storm held back much to oscar's relief he loathed navigating through the darkness especially during inclement weather merging the two was a was a receipt for disaster it was a recipe not a receipt you idiot Merging the two was a major recipe for disaster. With each deafening thunderclap, the Air Force mechanic could feel his anxiety spike. Even in the cool night air, sweat beaded across his bow and dripped into Oscar's eyes, mm. stinging them. Goosebumps rose on his neck. His chest tightened. Nausea a nauseating inferno began to sear its way up the back of his neck, and a weird tightness clenched his throat. His chest tightened and nausea. Okay, right. Oscar could not shake the persistent sense of unease within himself. Perhaps it was his phobia, or the night and the approaching storm, or perhaps it was the sense of complete isolation. The region was uninhabited. The region was uninhabited with only the occasional silhouette of an overgrown grass clump here and there, a bush a discernible on either side of the roadway. Nor had he seen another car or any signs of human life for the last 30 minutes. 
or perhaps it was the teaching of his father that cultivated the fear of ghastly apprehension. The elder Oscar Green was a superstitious man, firmly convinced of all things supernatural, a conviction he instilled in his children at a young age. And it was evening akin to this that he had cautioned his family about. Don't go out at night, his father warned you. Y'all for wickedness don't they live here at the shadows. Sometimes it's distinguished in plain sight. Okay, there's no way that Oscar's family talks like that with a name like Oscar. Don't go out at night, his father, you warned him. For wickedness doesn't always hide in the shadows. Sometimes it's distinguished in plain sight. Within the constraints of the military and his everyday existence, Oscar tried to heed his father's console. Console. However, this evening was an exception. One he regretted. Because never fear, the radio crackled again, suddenly cutting off the lyrics of the, of the rock song. The sharp sizz and the snapping emitted from the silent station accelerated his already frayed nerves. He gritted his teeth as he shut off the radio. Nevertheless, the, the silence was absolute. The hush hearing overpowering, only broken by rib-bearing, riv- appearing tempests of the thunder and lightning crackling in the distance. With every echo crash from above, Oscar gripped the wheel more firmly, causing his knuckles to blanch from the strain. Oscar reassured himself that he could accomplish this task. He was on the verge of reaching his destination, with only 54 miles left to cover. All he needed was for the weather to hold out for a little longer. With the same determination as the little engine that could, Oscar repeated to himself, You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Unfortunately, Lady Luck did not favor him this night. Preach it, brother. It stated dizzling a few miles. It started drizzling a few miles. Stated dizzling. It started drizzling a few miles down the road. A congruent of a minute droplets collided with the windshield, briefly adhering to the glass before oozing downward into oblivion. The cadence of the soft tap felt akin to a thousand razor-sharp daggers piercing his brain. With the forceful twist of his hand, Oscar activated his windshield wipers, temporarily erasing the source of his frustration. In the silence, the, the darkened road stretched out, growing endlessly, snaking around the countryside. Sergeant Green stiffened a yawn as he rubbed away the drowsiness from his eyes. As he did, a beep resounded in the vehicle. Oscar blinked his fragile eyes a few times until he saw his gas gauge on his dashboard had lit up, signaling low fuel. He's got to get gas. Fortune was taunting him once again. Son of a bitch, he cursed himself and his numb skull decisions growling. Oscar started frantically scanning the deserted road for a fill station or any sign of its existence in the vicinity. Where's Oscar going? Whether glaring neon lights or a billboard cloaked by the gloom of nightfall, the very last thing he wanted was to be stranded in the middle of nowhere. He first saw them as he scored the roadside searching for his salvation. Two silhouettes (laughs) walking along the edge, surrounded by darkness and distance. 
They were moving at a slow, measured pace, as if they were hunting for something or someone. Oscar was intrigued by them, his focus twisting to the pair, and he couldn't help but wonder who they were and what they were up to. Amidst the blackened and rainfall of the night, the instant his headlights pierced the twilight and illuminated the pair, the taller of the two began walking in reverse with their thumb outreached, the telltale sign of a hitchhiker. Out of nowhere, Oscar was struck by an overwhelming urge, a hypnotic pull to offer the pair a lift. His hand instinctively veered the steering wheel, guiding his truck towards the edge of the road. As his truck crept forward nearing the hitchhikers, he was seized by a, a, glance, a glacier surge, jolting him into a state of clarity, exposing the recklessness of accepting two random strangers into his truck in the middle of the night. Shaking his head, Oscar swiftly accelerated and overtook them, avoiding eye contact nevertheless. Shortly after, Oscar succumbed to the lingering impulse to play the Good Samaritan, and he quickly shifted his focus to their reflection in the rearview mirror. However, once his eyes locked onto the pair, fear began crawling up his spine, like a frigid wind accelerating over the pavement, making up to his making making to his mind Oscar drove on, not looking back. Several miles down the road, Oscar let out a breath of relief upon seeing a fill station. As the rain picked up, he veered off the highway. The station was closed for the night, yet Fortune finally smiled on Oscar as the pumps were equipped with round-the-clock service. Oscar turned off his vehicle and tentatively stepped out of the crew cab, nervously glancing over his shoulder, still unable to shake the perpetuity of the situation that he was in. Glancing, uh, he stood beneath the fluorescent light of the overhang for several moments, attempting to decipher how to operate the, the, the gas pump, which appeared convoluted in the dim light. The storm raged on, becoming heavier and louder against the concrete roof. As Oscar eventually managed to insert the nozzle of the pump into his gas tank, his dread climbing with every painstakingly slow moment it took to fill up his tank. Suddenly, the lights above him began flickering, erratically, spawning a procession of spawning a precision of ominous shadows waltzing around him. Oscar jumped, his heart clamoring up into his throat, at the sudden burst of bulbs shattering instantly, bathing the overhang in darkness. In mere moments, the temperature seemed to plummet, evidenced by Oscar's visible, frigid breath. As Oscar surveyed his, surround, his surroundings, a sense of terror began to well up in his gut. He slowly pivoted his gaze, fixed on the desolate highway, fully anticipating what awaited him. Despite his expectations, Oscar still felt his stomach turn, his complexion pale as he sharply inhaled a frigid breath, nearly choking on it. The pair was standing on the other side of the street, watching him hysterically explode. Hysteria exploded in his chest as they started to slowly cross the street. Oscar fumbled with the gas nozzle. 
His cold, clammy hands were trembling uncontrollably. With another peal of, with another, with another shock, with another peal of thunder, Oscar shifted his gaze upwards. Shadows blanketed the pavement as the pair reached the entryway of the fill station. His heart wailed in his ears, a drumbeat begging him to flee. Nothing but adrenaline pushed him. Oscar blindly shoved the nozzle back in its holder and bolted towards his door, not being able to to tear his eyes away. As they drew near, he became more horror-struck. His skin crawled and his muscles screamed, even though as the pair walked into the obscurity of the overhang, Oscar recognized that they were just a couple of teenagers, no more than 14 or 15. Wait, are they, these apparitions that are 14 or 15? Or are they real people? They appeared, they appeared deceived, cold, and distraught with with the downpour but something wasn't right they weren't right they were closing in almost at an adjacent almost at the adjacent pump as oscar frantically climbed into his truck he trembled uncontrollably attempting to retrieve his keys from his pocket betraying himself as they slipped from his grasp and dropped to the floor oscar. oscar leaned over and scooped them up quickly however not fast enough Oscar found himself eye to eye with one of the teenagers. As he sat up, a cold, sickening, inexplicable sense of fear swept over him as the teenager lifted his hand and started knocking slowly but firmly against the driver's window. A familiar compulsion, reminiscent of the one he had felt when he first spotted the pair, began surging inside him, compelling Oscar to, to engage with the two teens. Unconsciously, he cracked the door, just a fraction, just a hair. But before Oscar could utter a word, the boy spoke first, while the second teenager loomed in the distance, motionless. Yet Oscar could discern a hint of a smile on her pale face. His voice was hoarse and drawn out, much older than his years. Can you give us a lift into town, sir? We miss the bus and don't have a ride. As the boy spoke, Oscar felt a shiver of numbness coursing through his body and in his blood, leaving him speechless with his mouth agape. Coughing lightly, he directed his gaze towards the keys still clutched in his fist. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm not going into town, Oscar stuttered, keeping his eyes down. The boy pounded harder as he persisted yet again for a lift. Don't be frightened, sir. Please let us in. We won't hurt you. We just need a ride. Oscar declined once more and gazed upwards, attempting to appear menacing. But a, but a vortex of bone-chilling terror met his gaze. Oscar locked eyes with the teenager and let out a sharp gasp, his body recoiling as he instinctively tried to retreat. His eyes, throughout his existence, Every happiness, every anxiety, every sorrow Oscar could have ever experienced could not obscure or ease the, the recollection of the absolute horror he felt when he peered into the boy's eyes. The feeling of seeing nothing. The boy's eyes were gone, replaced with sheer darkness, complete void of light. No visible pupils, no iris, just black. Time stood still while Oscar stared into the abyss leaving him paralyzed. In desperation, he let out a scream, a, a, ha a, a desperate howl from the depths of his soul. The sound of his own 
outcry pushed him out of his trance. In a flash, Oscar inserted the keys into the ignition, and with a twist, his diesel engine roared to life. As he went to pull away, the boy pounded on his window with a pale fist, screaming, demanding a ride. Let us in! Let us in! The teenager hissed. You have to let us in! Oscar thought he slammed on the gas and shot out of the fill station. Oscar covered the 40 miles to his house in a rush. Arriving in a blur and ignoring his driveway, he drove onto his front yard, hastily parking in the front of his in the front next to his porch. Oscar clumsily disembarked from his truck, leaving the driver's door ajar behind him, and quickly dashed into his home. He slammed the door shut, locked it, securing it with a heavy wooden chair for good measure. Sinking into the chair, Oscar burst into tears, hiding his face in his hands as the as the two dark figures appeared at the edge of his driveway. Oh no. And that was the tale of the Devil's Road. I fucking killed it. I fucking killed it. There's a lot of hard words in that one. I was like, Jesus. Whew. I was a brain exercise I, guy. You did a good job reading, babe. I was a brain exercise. However, I still have so many questions. Shit. Who is Oscar? Where yeah. was he driving the from? The main protagonist. Uh, the military Clearly base. he was driving. The military base. Okay. But like, wasn't there like a radio show host in the very beginning or something? No, that was just the radio. I think I think the story, the person that wrote this was trying to be like first person. Like, That's what I'm saying. But in the beginning, it made you think that the story was taking mm. place from the radio show host perspective. And then all of a sudden, you were in a car with this guy named Oscar. And you're wondering, where does this all like tie in together? Do they know each other? What? And then all of a sudden, it's just, no, it's all about Oscar. He saw some guys with some soulless eyes, and they followed him home. I mean, you're not wrong. I'm not saying like the. I, I did like this guy was very descriptive. I thought it was over the top descriptive. Over the top, yeah. With what he was writing with, like, okay, I get it's a Ford, but it's like it was a Ford F one fifty diesel, uh, two thousand and six engine with these tires. Like, okay, we get it. Move on. Right. Move on. Right, right, right. A lot of descriptives with this. A lot of descriptors for this word, and it's like, dude, are you just showing off your vocabulary here? Yes. Great story though, probably for an English class. To be fair though, it sounds weird because being you know contradictory. I do like when you add descriptors because I definitely got an image of what he was dealing with here. I saw like it was a little over the top. That's it, uh, and not enough. Like they built up the world so much without getting into the ghosts. Yeah, enough. It's too much. Too much. And I took. Uh, I grasped the like, black I know handle of the. I read. What are you talking about? I know build up. Yeah, I know build up. I've been reading for months, boy. She's always been reading. Been She's reading been reading novels. more lately. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading for two months I now. I mean, I've been reading <laughs> novels. All right, guys. Uh, we're back. Uh, we're going to be recording again probably Friday, Saturday this week uh, to get into our October. Because the next episode that drops will be October. It'll be October, baby. So uh, costumes, drinks, and all that stuff. We drank tequila tonight. You don't see it because we already drank it. Um yeah, like and subscribe to the channel, and we will see you next time on Spirits and Ghost Stories. Bye. Bye.